Okay, welcome back to our Gold Derby panel, our A-team. I'm Marcus James Dixon. I'm here with Daniel Montgomery and Zach Laws. Guys, we have just seen the Golden Globe winners. A lot of surprises and a lot of things that we thought were possibly you know, gonna happen. And so we're gonna talk today about what this means going forward for the Critics' Choice, which is just about a week away, um, the SAG Awards, and of course, the, the big one, the Oscars. Uh, first of all, Zach, what was your, your big takeaways from the Golden Globes and what are you changing now in the Prediction Center going forward? Well, I mean, it is reassuring given all of the um, controversies and, and scrutiny that was on them that the Golden Globes still managed to be the Golden Globes uh, on Sunday night. Um, and by that, I mean that they helped sort of clarify certain things and also helped muddy the waters a bit. Um, there's, there's three people who got the biggest boost from uh, the Golden Globes last night. And, and I think we can all um, agree that these were surprise winners um, who needed this extra uh, momentum going into Oscar voting. Uh, one is certainly Andre Day, who I think it, we need to take seriously, not just as a potential nominee, but as a potential Best Actress winner um, after her victory for uh, Billie Holiday. Uh, the second is Jodie Foster, who, um, you know, I mean, we all were uh, salivating about a, a rematch of Glenn V. Olivia, when really we're going all the way back to 1988, when it was uh, Jodie Foster who beat out uh, Glenn Close. Um, she certainly has been like hovering in that like sixth or seventh place for a lot of people. And this helped put her into a lot of people's top five predictions. Uh, and the third is Rosamund Pike, whose film is breaking at just the right time um, and who I could very easily see um, challenging somebody like Vanessa Kirby, who, who I think is, you know, not as firm a lock as we're giving her credit for. I mean, I know she's gotten into all of these precursors, but, you know, she's really kind of like fourth to fifth place mm -hmm. at a lot of these uh at a lot of these uh, shows. So I could see Pike maybe replacing her in the Oscar five and joining a lineup of Andre Day, Carrie Mulligan, Viola Davis and Francis McDormand. So that's my big takeaway, which is just mm -hmm. that, you know, <laughs> uh, we, we learned a lot about, you know, people like Chadwick Boseman or, or Chloe Joff cementing their mm -hmm. frontrunner status, uh, Daniel Kaluuya edging up, uh, in, uh, you know, in the supporting actor race. I think there's still maybe some competition with Sasha Baron Cohen uh, for Trial of the Chicago 7. But really it's those three actresses who we need to keep an eye out on to, um, to break into the Oscar race. And Daniel, do you want to size up the best actress race? And what else are you changing after seeing the Globe winners? Um, well, best actress is going to be interesting now. Uh, I feel like Andra is a potential Oscar winner. I think this this kind of moves her ahead of Vanessa Kirby as an Oscar nominee. Uh, I think Vanessa Kirby is now on that kind of dangerous bubble spot in fifth place. And she's in the worst position possible in terms of like being uh, a vulnerable nominee because the movie might not get any other nominations. You know, we thought Ellen Burstyn would be a strong uh, contender, but even everywhere that Vanessa Kirby's getting in, Ellen Burstyn's not getting in except for Critics' Choice. So she's going to be the only recognition for the film, potentially. Uh, the film's reviews are 
not the most glowing for you know apart from the performances um so that 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 could be a kind of a soft support like a very kind of tepid uh, reaction which is the worst thing you want like you like it's better to have a love or hate movie than a than a, a kind of uh kind of like movie um and and then you've got the Shia LaBeouf of it all um <laughs> like you know through no fault of Vanessa Kirby's this movie has to uh you know get Oscar voters to watch it if they haven't already and watch a, a Shia LaBeouf performance. She, he's in it very prominently alongside her for most of the movie. And it's, it's gonna, it, it, it very possibly, not because anyone will hold his behavior against her, but because I feel like people are gonna be less responsive to the movie because of, of that. So like she's in trouble and I feel like Andra became a little bit safer for best actress um, and Vanessa Kirby became precarious and we might see a Rosamund Pike get in there or, mm -hmm. or I don't know, maybe they'll pull a reader on Maria Bakalova and she'll get the best actress nomination uh, instead of supporting actress. After the Globes, I, I went to the Prediction Center and I, I updated some of my Oscar predictions. I put, I didn't have Andrew Day in my five for uh, best actress. I actually had Amy Adams and I know that seems crazy, but come on, she got the SAG nomination. I had her too. <laughs> What's that? I had her too until uh, until today. So yeah, so I, I took her out, and I actually put Andrew Day in in fourth place. I do have Vanessa Kirby in fifth. Um, I don't know if I buy the Rosamund Pike Oscar nomination narrative just because she won the Globe. Um, you know, it, it could be a situation where I care a lot only gets that one nomination for actress and I think she deserves it. It's one of my favorite movies of the year, but I have a hard time taking out any of these five, Mulligan, Davis, McDormand, Day, and Kirby. I, I, I just, I can't do it yet. I mean, we'll see what happens going forward. Here's the thing that, uh, you know, just real quick, here, here's, the, here's what I think benefits Pike. Uh, first of all, you know, this happened right before Oscar voting is gonna start. It's gonna start on March 5th. So at the end of the week, um, Oscar voters are, are looking to these awards to say, all right, what do I need to watch right now? Because, uh, you know, the extent to which a lot of voters just have no idea what's in contention or what's, um, what they should be checking out is, is really staggering for this year. You can't underestimate that. The other thing I think that Rosamund has going in her favor is that, you know, both Pieces of a Woman and I Care A Lot deal with really dark subject matter but because i care a lot is a dark comedy it's a little easier to watch than pieces of a woman i i feel like there she might have an advantage of people seeing her win the golden globe saying i need to check out this movie and being able to get through it a little bit easier than than vanessa kirby's which i mean she's she's great in the movie but it's a it's a really difficult movie to watch and, you know, with Oscar voting ending on the 10th of this month, like it just people throwing something on and watching it all the way through is really crucial, mm -hmm. you know, and, and, and cannot be, um, cannot be uh, underestimated. I will kind of agree with, with, with that. And I'll admit, I only watched I Care A Lot because Rosamund got nominated at the Golden Globes. I, it was not on my radar. I heard all these glowing things about it, but I'm like, well... 
you know, it's not an awards contender. And then she got nominated and I'm like, okay, let me, let me watch it. And I was blown away. So you could be right. Yeah. The interesting thing about Best Actress is that on the bubble, we've got so many women who are likely to be the only or one of the only nominees for their film. Uh, you've got Vanessa Kirby, Andrew Day, uh, Zendaya. I'm, I'm just going down the list of our, our racetrack odds uh, for Malcolm and Marie. If she gets nominated, nothing else from that film will be nominated. Uh, Amy Adams, Hillbilly Elegy, it would be her and Glenn and maybe Makeup. Um, Sophia Loren, it would be her and maybe Song. Uh, Michelle Pfeiffer uh, probably would be the only nominee. Rosamund Pike probably would be the only nominee. Sidney Flanagan, maybe screenplay for, and then you get to the one who I feel like hasn't shown up anywhere, but just the profile of her movie, maybe it gets her in, in this weird open space. And it's Yeti uh, Han for, uh, mm. for Minati, which is gonna be a best picture nominee. It's, it's so easily gonna be a best picture nominee at this point. Uh, that it's barely, it's hardly even a question that it gets into that top category. And, you know, looking at this Best Actress lineup, you know, you've got Promising Young Woman, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, and Nomadland, all very likely or probably going to be Best Picture nominees. Uh, you know, so it's weird that Yeti Han hasn't made more of an impact. And it, I could see her being the kind of, you know, Marina de Tavira nominee who comes out of nowhere for a nomination even though she hadn't gotten many precursors um because it's just the way things line up and the way the the strength of the film is in general um so let's talk about best actor chadwick won as we all most of us suspected he would but you know there were some people thinking riz ahmed could could pull it off at the globes and uh anthony hopkins had never won a globe so maybe this would be his chance but now does this really solidify Chadwick's um, status as the front runner going forward at Critics' Choice and SAG and Oscars? I mean, I, I would say so. Go ahead, Daniel. No, yeah, I think he's got Critics' Choice sewn up, certainly, because uh, they, they very often rubber stamp uh, what, the, what happens at the Globes. And even if the Globes hadn't picked Chadwick, I feel like the Critics' Choice would have picked him or given him a tie of some kind anyway. Um, <laughs> You know, I, I think this was a, maybe the toughest hurdle because they didn't, you know, uh, there are no black members of the Hollywood foreign press, as, as we've heard. Uh, Ma Rainey didn't have much support from the Golden Globes. It only had Chadwick and, and Viola in, and Chadwick beat people who were, whose films were up for best picture. Um, so I think SAG is even more likely to go to him. Uh, BAFTA might go elsewhere. Um, so yeah, I, I, feel like, I feel like this makes Chad pretty solid. I, um, you know, it's, it's funny because I had predicted Anthony Hopkins to win, uh, not just because he had never won a Globe before, and now I think he's got more losses on the, on the film side than any other actor in history, but because they obviously liked The Father a lot, they liked it enough to nominate it for Best Picture, but as was the case with Promising Young Woman, they didn't like it enough to give it anything. Um, you know, I think... Look, I mean, Hopkins, there's still the possibility that he could win at BAFTA. He's also never won a SAG award, we should say. Um, mm. But, you know, it really, listening to Chadwick's widow give that speech, I mean, you know, we, we talk about this so often in terms of statistics and, and probability, but it, it really hammered home just how horribly tragic it is that he is not 
here to enjoy this recognition. Um, you know, I mean, you, he should have had several chances of getting nominated over the next 30, 40 years. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the, that, that this is his only opportunity is really tragic. Um, and I think that, you know, a lot of people are so deeply, deeply moved by that. I mean, you, you could just see it as they were, you know, cutting to the webcams of, of people reacting. Um, you know, I, I think that there's just this real, we had talked about there being an emotional attachment to him winning, but I think that we really saw that um, crystallized mm -hmm. um, last night. So, you know, and I, and I want to say, because, um, you know, there were, there were some trolls on Twitter um, responding to our uh, articles about him making history, not just as a, as a posthumous winner, but also as, uh, as a Black performer winning, because there haven't been a lot of Black winners at the Golden Globes in history. Um, he didn't just win this because he's dead. Um, you know, they don't often go for deceased people. He's winning this because of his performance, you know? So I just, I hope that anybody responding to, uh, to this or to anything else we write about it just keeps in mind that, um, you know, there is merit uh, to this victory and there, there will be merit if he should win the Oscar. Mm -hmm. Funny how nobody, you know, was arguing when Heath Ledger was winning stuff for The Dark Knight that he's only winning because he's dead. Exactly, yeah. Just saying. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it was, it, it was particularly gross. I mean, I don't want to call anybody out by name because, it, you know, it's just trolls. But, you know, um, there are people who can, who can see that, you know, like his, his wife and his newborn child. Or I don't know if, if the child's been born yet or not, but one day you will certainly see that. And so, you know, let's all keep it polite, folks, as we... Mm -hmm. talk about this moving forward and um and just remember that you know it's it is really a loss that he is no longer here um you know you're not supposed to die at 43 and you know it, it, it would be for him to win the oscar for this would not just be a a sympathy or pity vote like it, it would be a really deserving victory in a very competitive year may i say i mean there's there's a lot yeah, of this is going to be an all-time year for best actor yeah uh, do you guys have Steven Yeun getting in? I put him in a while ago, and I, you know, I'm I'm of the mindset that Minati is going to win Best Picture, and so looking backwards from that, I do have him getting in at the Oscars, and I have Ye Jung Yoon getting into Supporting Actress. I actually have her winning um, at the Oscars and at the SAG Awards. What do you guys think about Steven Yoon and, and then Ye Jung Yoon? Uh, I think I think they both get nominated. Uh, I don't have either of them winning right now. Supporting actresses, like I, I need to see SAG before I, I even come decide who I think is a front runner in that category. Um, but yeah, I think they get. I, I think Stephen Yun is on the bubble just given how competitive Best Actor is. Um, it's hard to take someone out for him uh, right now. I am uh, clinging to Delroy Lindo. Uh, in that uh, fifth spot, I think it's I think I think Yun, Delroy Lindo, and Gary Oldman are in a fight for those last two spots. Um, mm -hmm. And 
you know, I could see, I could see them going with Oldman. I could also see that like it didn't, it had six Globe nominations and it didn't win any of them. I, you know, it, it feels like there's, you know, it, it, it's a soft contender in terms of like a passion support for it. Um, so, you know, yeah. the Oscars could just do what the Critics' Choice did and put eight best actors <laughs> in, in there. I Including mean, Ben Affleck. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and Tom Hanks. Ah. <laughs> I haven't put Steven Yeun in yet for actually the same reason as Daniel, because I, I know it would mean probably having to take Delroy Lindo out. Um, although I guess it could just as easily be Gary Oldman, because like you say, um, you know, the other big film on the drama side that didn't win anything last night was Mank, uh, despite being the most nominated film. Um, you know, uh, the Irishman would like to say hello to Mank. Um, <laughs> you know, um, but um it still feels, uh, you know, foolhardy to, to take Oldman out at this point, just because he has gotten in everywhere. I know it's not unprecedented for somebody like that to be um, left out at the Oscars, but it is rare, right? Mm -hmm. um, but Steven Yun is uh, gaining a lot of momentum. I think Yoon Yun has a, a better shot at getting in uh, just because of, uh, the fluidity of her category, you know, the fact that there's mm -hmm. um, no real favorite to win there. Um, whereas, you know, Yoon is competing in the most competitive best actor race that we've seen in years. Um, mm -hmm. Any of those six people could get nominated, not to mention, you know, you have uh, people like Tom Hanks around the bubble, um, passion votes for people like Kingsley Benadir or, um, you know, Ben Affleck, maybe. Um, I don't think he was in eighth place on that Critics' Choice ballot, just saying. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a tough category to call. Well, I mentioned who I was predicting to win Best Supporting Actress. What about you guys? And, and also I wanted to add, I just, I did add Jodie Foster to my, my Oscar list after last, last night's ceremony. Uh, I didn't have her predicted for the Oscars because she she's missing out on a few places. Like she's she's not even at Critics Choice where they have six here. Uh, yeah, it, and be sure that if these Golden Globes had happened before Critics Choice nominations, they would have found the seventh or eighth spot for Jodie Foster. Oh, they're doing a write-in <laughs> vote now to add exactly. her to the nominations. Yeah. What? Okay, who do you think is winning, Daniel? Um, I'm defaulting still to Olivia Coleman, uh, just because uh, so far she's the only one who I feel like is relatively safe for the nomination. Uh, everyone else has missed somewhere or multiple somewheres. Um, so I'm going with Olivia. Um, but, but yeah, like, again, SAG will tell me so much more potentially. Yeah. I still have Glenn Close. Um, <clears throat> and I, I moved Jodie Foster up to second place over Olivia. Oh. Yeah. Um, and, and, and here's why. I think, you know, it was a surprising victory, to say the least, that, that she won uh, last night. But when you consider the fact that, you know, she works so rarely now and is so beloved in Hollywood, I think that they just felt compelled to reward her over somebody like Glenn or Olivia, who just won two years ago, right? Now that's not going to be the case at the Oscars where she could, uh, you know, two-time Oscar winner could go up against someone who's never won before and would be on her eighth nomination. Um, but it's not outside the realm of possibility that they might be like, look, you know, we, 
um, we would like you to join the three timers club. And uh, we don't know how many more times are going to uh, be able to do this because you're basically retired at this point and only work when you want to work. Um, so I, I could see that I could see her being a spoiler. Like she could very easily get nominated at BAFTA and win there. Mm -hmm. Right. And then we have maybe like a Christoph Waltz situation on our hands. I um, could see this category going to somebody else at every event, like Jodie Foster at the Globes, maybe Ya Jung Yoon at um, SAG Awards, Olivia Coleman at BAFTA because of the British thing. I could see the critics going with Amanda Seyfried because she's yep. the hot young thing. And then I could see the Oscar going, um, Glenn Close has never won. Let's, let's, yep. let's give it to her. It's, this is a weird category. It's the weirdest. I think the last time this category was this weird was was the Kate Winslet year when she was gobbling things up for the reader and then they put her in lead for the reader. Um, but even then, I feel like, you know, it ended up being I think that was the year of, of uh, uh, Penelope Cruz that she ended up taking it out. Even by the time the Oscars came around, Penelope Cruz, if I remember correctly, felt like a reasonably strong frontrunner uh, of the remaining people who hadn't won against Kate Winslet. Uh, so this year, it's 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 all up in the air. Like I I I don't even have an idea of who is first or second. Like maybe Olivia Coleman, who's my number one, is actually in fifth place. Who knows? I like it's, <laughs> yeah. Maybe she's on the bubble. Who like it, it's impossible to tell. <laughs> well, I did just put the father back into my best picture predictions. I, I mean, I, I I'm playing around with what gets into my ten right now. Mm -hmm. um, but I did put it in there just on the strength of having in uh, Hopkins, Coleman, the screenplay and the editing. But again, like I, I haven't ranked really low in my 10. So it, it could be like the movie itself could be more on the bubble than we're, than we're thinking it is. So. Or like we could you know, only get eight nominees and maybe it was nine, maybe it was 10. Yeah, exactly. Um, so best supporting actor for me is the opposite of supporting actress. I have the same guy winning at every single award show, Daniel Kaluuya. He's, he's breaking at just the right time. He's doing all of this press now when, when Oscar voters are gonna you know, start you know, watching the movies and, or they should have been starting watching movies already, but marking their ballots. And he just gives the performance that you can't look away. Even if you didn't like that movie, Judas and the Black Messiah, he was a reason to watch. Uh, does anyone disagree? Do you think anyone else can win? I'm talking about SAG, Critics' Choice, um, Oscars. I think he's going to take the whole category on, on everything. I think he has the best chance of all of the acting categories, uh, apart from Chadwick, of, of just kind of sweeping. Um, uh, actually, even maybe even more than Chadwick, because I feel like, you know, being a British actor, he's, he's especially strong at BAFTA. Um, you know, I was skeptical about because I, you know, you know, Judas and the Black Messiah hasn't been getting much other nominations besides him and a lot of events. So it's like, is there really that much enthusiasm enthusiasm around it? And then he won the Globe, which I thought was going to go to Leslie Odom or maybe Sasha Baron Cohen because of how much they love Trial of the Chicago Seven. I think Sasha Baron Cohen still has a shot at like SAG and Oscar and BAFTA too uh, because he's also a British actor. Um, so I, I think, I think it's a two-way race, but I think the Globe win for Kaluuya was a huge vote of confidence. They're both playing really showy roles, uh, as historical figures. 
kind of overlapping historical figures because Fred Hampton actually makes an appearance briefly in Trial of the Chicago Seven. Um, a different actor, of course. Uh, but, you know, it, so it, it's interesting that it would be between those two. Um, but yeah, I, st I still think there's, there's room for Sasha Baron Cohen, especially because at all of these other awards, he's not going to have Borat that they're going to be able to award him for and say, we've taken care of him. <laughs> and Zach? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think that last night he really um, he helped his chances quite a bit. Um, you could make the argument that the reason why he beat Sacha Baron Cohen at the Globes is because they were going to give him lead actor for Borat, right? And so maybe they thought, let's spread the wealth a little bit. But I think that this, this really helps, number one, bring more attention to his movie. Um, I could see Judas and the Black Messiah being one of those things that you know, while it didn't show up at Globes or Critics' Choice, really, it starts to show up at PGA, maybe DGA. It already got showed up at Writers Guild already. Yeah, it already got in there. So, I mean, we could have a movie that um, ends up being a Best Picture nominee, um, just uh, <clears throat> even though we were undercounting it a bit in the beginning. Um, but he also helped elevate his chances a little bit over Cohen, who I think still, as Daniel said, has a chance of winning at places like SAG or BAFTA or Critics' Choice. Maybe they'll tie, who knows? <laughs> but definitely he's, Kaluuya um, has asserted himself as the front runner in this race. What I'm really curious about, and I would love to hear some guidance from you guys, because I updated all my, my predictions uh, this morning. Um, I cannot, for the life of me, figure out I think that Kaluuya, Cohen, and Leslie Odom Jr. are pretty safe for nominations. Locks at this point. I have no idea who to who to pick for my other two nominees and supporting actor. Like, did you right say now, you said Kaluuya, Odom, and Sasha Baron Cohen? Yeah, those are the yeah. two that I I feel like are are pretty safe at this point. But I have no idea who to put in. Yeah, those are my top three. My my four and five are Paul Racy and Mark Rylance. Uh, but you're right, those are those are weak fours and fives. Yeah, mine are Paul Racy and uh, uh, Chadwick Boseman for Defy Bloods. Mm. Uh, I, it, it's, it's, it's a tough one just because, like, again, this is a case where you have your top three. They've gotten in everywhere. They seem pretty solid. I think Judith and Black Messiah will be a Best Picture nominee at this point, or at least it's mm. in my 10. It depends on if there are eight nominees or nine nominees yeah. or where that cutoff ends up being. Um, but yeah, th those last two have not gotten consistent support. So, uh, so yeah, uh, like I'm, I'm very hesitant about my four and five. I want to put in Paul Racy because I, I loved his performance so much, but I, I could see Sound of Metal being the kind of movie that just gets in for Riz Ahmed and nothing else. Sound. Um, sound, yes, sound. It's in the titles, so. Yeah, <laughs> that helps, that really does help when it comes to I know. Oscars, Oscar voters. Uh, right now, I have uh, I, I, I want to see who gets nominated at BAFTA because there's a lot of people who are who like Bill Murray is not on the BAFTA long list and neither is Jared Leto. But Jared Leto, I could see getting nominated uh, for this movie. You know, he's, he's gotten in at, at SAG and the Golden Globes. So I, I don't want to count him out. Right. I have him in right now, as a matter of fact, but I can be swayed. Um, and I have Chadwick at number five for the five bloods, but I feel like that's, um, 
you know, if, if, if it becomes apparent to Oscar voters that he's going to win Best Actor, do they really give him that second nomination yeah. when, I mean, you've got, like you said, Mark Rylance is in there. I think Franklin Jella is in there as well uh, in this race. You know, there's, there's just a lot of, um, you know, don't be surprised if David Strathairn gets nominated for one, Nomad. One thing about Chadwick getting two, potentially two nominations, would that hurt his chances of actually winning because with that, if you're an Oscar voter and you're going down your winner's ballot and some of them may mark him for best actor for Ma Rainey, some of them may mark him um, for the, the Five Bloods for supporting. And I think if he was just in one category that he would have a better chance of winning and not splitting his own vote. Like no one's gonna vote him twice. No, I, I feel like that might be the case if it were like, you really need a situation where like, okay, one of these is the obvious choice to go with. Yeah. Like the Steven Soderbergh, you, you vote for him for traffic and not Aaron Brockovich in terms of the showy directorial achievement. Um, uh, uh, Jamie Foxx, Ray is obviously his thing. Um, so in this case, I feel like it's similar. I feel like Ma Rainey with the Golden Globe win, likely other wins later in the season and Daniel Kaluuya being such a, you know, establishing himself as the favorite for supporting actor, I feel like best actor is going to feel like the logical choice to vote for him, whether or not he gets mm -hmm. the two nominations, uh, especially because we've seen like as like tragically defied bloods has been very hit and miss all season. So it's very hard to tell exactly how much support it's going to have at the Oscars. Um, I do think he's probably the strongest bet for a nomination above the line for that film. Uh, it could get several others like Delroy and Spike and Picture, uh, but of everything, I feel like he's the most likely one. Uh, so, but I, I think either way, Ma Rainey's his win. I kind of agree with both of you and that's why I want to, I have him ranked in fifth right now and I kind of want to take him out and put somebody else in, but I just, I don't know yeah. who to put in yet. Um, before I go, I wanted to talk a little about the SAG Ensemble category because I just found out before we were recording this that we're all picking the same thing, which is never smart. It's always good to have, you know, some diversity in our picks, but we're all going with Minotti. And I really, really think it's this year's Hidden Figures, which if you look at the experts, I don't, I don't know if maybe just one or two are picking it to win. It's, it's kind of the underdog. It's in that underdog position, which is the place to be in. And I don't know, what do you guys think? And I also want to mention, it's the one of the only films that actually has female actors in it. You know, there's none in One Night in Miami or The Trial of Chicago 7 or The Five Bloods. So it's basically- There are, there are a few and like, there's a smattering in everything, but, uh, but not in Trial of the Chicago role. 7. Uh, Trial of Chicago 7 is the only one that has like exclusively men on its cast list of its nominated cast list. But mm -hmm. yeah, Minotti is the only one where women, there's like parody in women. In it. Yeah. And then Ma Rainey has Viola, of course. Um, so Daniel, why are you picking Minotti? And then Zach, follow up with why you are. Um, well, I was predicting Trial of Chicago 7 all this point because it feels the most ensemble -y. Like you've got a bunch of actors in a courtroom giving speeches and testimony and all that. Like it, it's such a, like a, an ensemble kind of movie and everyone is pushed supporting uh, in terms of uh, their categorization. So it feels even more like an ensemble piece. Um, but I feel like, like Hidden Figures, like uh, Black Panther, like Parasite, 
I feel like there's going to be just more passion for Minati, like a lot more just like emotional affection for this film. Mm -hmm. um, and I can't see that with the other nominees quite as much. Just like this, this, this movie makes me feel good about the people in it. This is the um, cast you want to hug. You want to bear hug this whole family. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that, Daniel, you said it really beautifully. And that is that, you know, this movie has such an emotional resonance for people. It was so, um, it was so touching when it, when it won the category that it shouldn't have been nominated in. Uh, <laughs> but, um, you know, and I, and I know that Lee Isaac Chung is not, you know, an actor in the movie, but it was really sweet watching him with his daughter and talking about, you know, how he made that movie for her. Um, like, I think that people just resonate with that movie because even though it's about a very specific kind of experience, it is so universal, you know? And, and that message of connection um, and, uh, and, and you know, we're all in it together and family is, and, and friendships are important. Like that really means a lot to people right now. You know, and I, I think that that really appeals to uh, not just SAG voters, but I think it's going to appeal to Oscar voters as well, which is why I think it's such a strong contender to win Best Picture. Like the, both that and Nomadland, which I think is the other, uh, especially after last night, is a real uh, threat to win Best Picture. Like mm -hmm. they both um, have this emotional resonance because they are so much about community, whether it's families that you're born with or families that you make when you're traveling around in your RV, right? Like that, that's, hmm. it, it resonates a lot more than all due respect to a movie like Charles Chicago 7, which is very powerful and inspirational and important. But, you know, you, you don't leave that movie feeling like you want to, as you said, Marcus, hug these people, right? <laughs> Well, thank you everybody uh, for watching. And we will be doing this um, every week if, if we can. And yeah, we go update your predictions. We have Critics' Choice coming up, um, the BAFTA nominations you can predict, the SAG Award winners and the Oscars, and then Grammys and reality. And there's a ton of stuff in our, in our prediction center. So go uh, have fun and go do that. And we'll see you next week. <laughs>